testifying in front of the church, and I can definitely tell you that there's uh, always another opportunity. There's always something else to testify about, what God has done, because he's always doing things, right, in our lives. And we can always uh, be thankful for what he's done and is doing. I, uh, my testimony this time is just, you know, even though we struggle and we deal with difficulties in life, it's really, um, man, it's so good to know that God is there for us. He is a safe uh, shelter, you know, he's a stronghold that we can go into if there is a storm or, uh, you know, if we're experiencing any sorrow or pain, he, gi- he can give us peace, he can give us um, uh, safety, and um, his love can be very strong in our lives when we need it, you know, he's just, he's so awesome, he can provide, this um, last month has been a struggle for me, I've been unemployed, and other things have crept in but I just know I felt the Lord's presence, and he continued to bless me and encourage me. You know, I could have lost hope. I could have been uh, depressed. I could have um, um, suffered trauma uh, with things I've been through, but I know the Lord has protected me from all this. I wanted to share the verse with you from John sixteen thirty three. It says, Jesus spoke this. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I praise the Lord Jesus for what he's done for us, and that we can find safety and peace and hope in him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everything you've done, and we praise you and glorify you this morning. God, I just pray that your spirit would be here, and that we would have open hearts, open minds to receive you, and we want to worship you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, can you just look at your neighbor and just say, Welcome to the house of God? It is so good to see you.
call on you, especially amongst the believers, God, that, Lord, you come in power, Lord. So, God, as we sing this song to you, we say in the name of Jesus, your name is like honey on our lips, Lord. Your spirit is like water to our souls. God, we drink in your presence today. We desire you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you just close your eyes all over this room with us? As we look to Jesus today, as we look to him.
you don't give your heart and Jesus you give us all of you Lord God God if we desire all of you today Lord you give all of yourself you give the spirit without measure Lord so today God we pursue your presence Lord we pursue your presence we pursue your place oh God Lord we receive all of you today Lord in this
you don't give your heart in pieces. to move on to the next thing. We want to stay here in this moment, oh God. We want to hear what you have to say to us. We thank you for this moment. We thank you that we can stand before your throne of grace with boldness and confidence, that we can be in your presence, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you that you are here, that you are near, that you are present. I want to give this moment, I want to open this time up to let the gifts flow here. If anybody has a word, you can speak it forth today. Let's hear what the Spirit of God has to say to us today. Jesus, speak. We are listening. Let's respond to that word right now. If you know you got to go deeper, if you know you got to walk more closely with Jesus, lift up your your um, your hands all across this room. Come on, Jesus, we walk in your peace. We walk in your victory. We walk knowing that you are our protector, that you are our leader, that you are our guider, that you lead us by the cloud and by the fire, oh God, that you have not forsaken us. Come on, some of you guys got to learn how to lay hands on your own head and speak your victories into the air to know that God is with you, that he goes before you, that he follows close behind, that he takes you by the hands and leads you beside quiet waters. He restores your soul. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for that word. We draw near to you, oh God. We will hide your word and your word in our hearts, oh God, so that it becomes a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We thank you for your power, for your presence. We thank you for your truth, oh God. And we thank you for drawing near to us. And as you draw near to us, oh God, we draw near to you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, you are awesome in this place. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is worthy, he is awesome, and he is good. And we've tasted and seen his goodness, amen. Turn to your neighbor. Why don't you guys shake each other's hands as you grab your seat this afternoon?
Praise God. So wonderful to see all of you here today for our 1 p.m. service. Welcome. At this time, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. The gospel is the good news that Jesus saves. And this message is for those of you today who are not right with God. You've been running away from God or you've been putting it off for a later time or you've never heard it before. This message is for you. In Matthew 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Somebody say treasure. Hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and then went and bought that field. The kingdom of God is like a treasure today. And if you're not right with him today, this message should bring joy to your heart because the kingdom of God has come to you. And you have a choice to make, to either accept it with joy, to go sell all you have. In other words, to give up everything, to have this, to have this treasure, to have this great treasure that is found in the kingdom of God, to have this salvation. You'll give up everything to have it. And you'll do it with joy and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Or you could reject it today. But the danger in rejecting it at this moment is that you're not going to be promised tomorrow. Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day to get right with God. Don't put it off one more day. Come and accept it and receive it with joy and say, God, I surrender all. I'm going to give up my ways. I'm going to come repentive before you. Humble myself before a living God and say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. So with all eyes closed all across this room, if that's you and you mean business with God, let this be your opportunity, your time of prayer and surrender to Jesus as I begin to pray. Come into agreement right now. Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room who's not right with you, that today they would receive your free gift of salvation. They do nothing to earn it. They receive it with joy. And they give their life to you in full surrender, oh God. Let today be that day where their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We thank you, Jesus, that you made a way for us to have life eternal in heaven with you forever. So that we do not spend eternity in hell in separation from you. Oh God, I pray that you would draw all men by your loving kindness to repentance. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Please stand up to your feet at this moment. If you prayed that prayer and you mean business with God, we're going to have prayer workers right here at the front that you could come and receive prayer from them in just a few moments during our fellowship time. I encourage you to do so. We want to show you how to get plugged into the church. Be a disciple so that you could grow in your faith with God. You're not called to do it by yourself. The church of God is here for you and with you to walk beside you. At this time, we're going to confess our confession of faith. The reason why we do this as a church every week is because this is our Christian worldview. We see the world around us through the lens of Scripture. So if you're with me, let's recite it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. In the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment 
for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Clap it up for Jesus. Come on. Spend some time meeting somebody that you don't know. Give somebody a hug or a handshake.
who's excited to be at church, come on, make some noise. It's so awesome to see all of you here for our 1 p.m. service. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We're so thankful that you joined us, especially if it's your first time here. Keep on coming back. Invite your friends and family. We would love to um, just walk through this journey of life with you. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. So this is our family service. We have King's Kids in the back for our children, ages infant to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate. Come on, Fridays at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18. That's our youth group. If you have children in that age group, you want them to be here on Friday nights. God is showing up and showing off in their lives, and God is doing amazing things uh, in this generation. So we're just so excited to be able to be a part of that. How many of you guys are still on a high from the Puerto Rican Festival outreach? We are still rejoicing over all that God did last weekend. And so we want you guys to rejoice and uh, enjoy, rejoice and enjoy this video, this recap video of the Puerto Rican Festival outreach with our baptisms last weekend. God did awesome things. So let's watch it together here.
Amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus and all that he did. We give him the glory. Awesome things happened. Lives were changed and transformed. So many seeds were planted. And we just thank you guys for all of your faithfulness and your commitment to go out and preach the gospel and to make disciples. So if you missed this uh, outreach, please make plans to join us next year because MPI will do the PR festival outreach till Jesus comes back, okay? So let's get excited for our next uh, soul-winning summer event in two weeks, July 10th at our 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. service. We're going to be having our all-nations dinner, one of our favorite events that we've been doing annually for many years. So come on out, represent your country with a dish. You can go to the Facebook event page, click going, and then Pastor Susie is going to keep track of all the dishes. She will need the name of your dish, a few of the ing main ingredients, and then what country it comes from, and we'll have a little tag in front of your dish with your flag. It's going to be an awesome time. So we really want to uh, use these outreaches with Brandon here, the soul-winning summer events, to really win our coworkers, our neighbors to the Lord. So use this as an opportunity to invite them to come to church, and let's pack out these two services so that people could hear the gospel message, see the diversity in the church, that all nations will worship one God. Amen? So let's celebrate that day together. Uh, we have an announcement about the MPI Summer Retreat. If you haven't noticed on Facebook already or at the um, website, we will be canceling this event, sadly and regretfully. Uh, we apologize on behalf of the leadership for poor planning. Looking at the soul-winning summer, having done uh, the outreach that just passed by, we were not able to fit that into the schedule of people getting um, you know, off of work. And if we do an all-church event, our leadership is all committed to going, so we will have to cancel it. But the good thing is that these types of events and outings and, and fun trips like that will happen within your life group. So if you want to keep seeing this happen more, stick around, get connected to the life groups, and you'll have an awesome, awesome time wherever you get connected at. Amen? So we're excited about all that God is going to continue to do. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us to live by. And we also have a strategy. Our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. The way we connect you here at this church is through our life groups. We want you to find a place to belong. And then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books that's done uh, with a leader in your life. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism so you could keep preaching the gospel to the lost so that all souls can be saved. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. How many of you guys excited about that type of vision, strategy, and a goal? Come on. So look to your neighbor and say, it's time to get connected. If you want to find out ways to get connected, especially if you're new here, you could turn your hand out around. And in the back there, you'll find the schedule for all of our life groups for this quarter. Find the type of life group that will meet the needs of you and your family and get connected. Be faithful to it. Here's a snapshot of what's happening just for this week. Uh, today, we're kicking it off with the single moms life group. Child care is provided. They're meeting at 530. So if you have single moms here, it's an awesome time for you to be encouraged with the word of God. Be around other single moms who will give you a word and be there as an encouragement. So meet them today at 530. Uh, Wednesday, we have our King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 630 here at the church. It's going to be a special service this Wednesday for them because they're doing their graduation ceremony from the boys clubs and girls clubs that they've been so faithfully attending all throughout the year. Thursday, we have our gang outreach hit in the streets, 18 years and up. If you want to join, meet them at that address at 7 p.m. We have two adult Bible studies every week, one at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Vivid's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you're an adult, you want to be there. Get encouraged throughout the week. 
get into the fellowship, get encouraged by the word of God, and just be a part of a group of people that are really going to um, encourage your walk with the Lord and see you be all that you can be for God. And then Saturday, the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group. Come on, give it up for our youth. 11 to 18 years old, meeting here at the church at once. So a lot of stuff happening throughout the week. No excuse to not get connected. And we just really want to see you guys get plugged in with your families. Now it's time to get mentored. If you're new here, we want to see you get mentored. Go through our discipleship process. We have our 101 that's done one-on-one. Welcome to your new life. Leaders will take you through that book. You guys can meet at your own schedule and just allow this leader to pour into your life so that they could see you be all that you could be for God. To really be an encouragement. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader in the church so that one day you could be ordained as an elder or a deacon to continue to fulfill all that God has called for you to do. Then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out to do evangelism, preach on the streets every Saturday from 5 to 8. We meet here at the church that we hit different uh, corners, different neighborhoods, preaching the gospel. If you've never done it, I encourage you to do so. It will radically transform your walk with God. If you want to be encouraged, refreshed, renewed, get to a new level in your walk with the Lord and just a new level in who you are as a person, meet them for evangelism. It is life transforming, not only for the people that we're ministering to, but for you. So I just really want to encourage you guys, if you have not done it at least once, start going, even if it's once a month, once every other month, get out there, preach the gospel, allow God to use you and see those gifts flourish in your life. Amen. So we're all about winning souls. So to recap, vision, strategy, a goal, a vision of loving God and loving people, strategy to connect you, to mentor you and to send you out. And then a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? Praise the Lord. With him, it's all possible, right? It is all possible. We started with just about four people in our apartment 11 years ago. And look at all that God has done. Just look around. Look what the Lord has done. And so many people from the first service to the second service really won through one-on-one evangelism. Somebody telling you about Jesus, bringing you here. And God is going to continue to do it in you and through you so that we could keep winning more in Chicago. So who's excited to give their tithes and offerings today? Come on. We're going to be getting into our lesson in the Disciples Giving book. But really quick, I want to let you know that MPI believes what the scripture teaches about tithing, that it is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. That is our way of putting God first in our finances, which really affects all of our life. If we can't put God first in our finances, we're really not putting him first in a lot of other things. Things will be out of order, so we got to get in order. Put the tithe first. Be faithful to God. And anything above that, anything above your tithe is um, an amount between you and the Lord that he puts on your heart to give towards offering and we designate that towards missions and towards our building fund and so we really want to encourage you to keep giving with a heart of gratitude generosity and cheerfulness amen because god loves a cheerful giver so let's get look to our uh, lesson for today again disciples giving book section 2 lesson 12 offerings are given by the grace of god somebody say grace it's all about that grace we can do nothing apart from the grace of god the offering is a gift to god after our tithe, we're going to be reading in 2 Corinthians 9.14. 2 Corinthians 9.14. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Three ma- main points from that uh, passage of scripture is number one, grace. The biblical definition for grace not only refers to the forgiveness of sin, but also it can mean the divine favor and blessing of God to his people. That is powerful. 
In regards to offerings, we should consider everything we have and give to be because of the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? The divine favor of God and blessings of the Lord are upon us. And through our giving of offerings, the grace of God continues to increase in our life. Number two, surpassing grace. God loves to not only bless us with grace for our needs, but also to help meet the needs of others. So when we give offerings to support the ministry, we are displaying the overflowing and surpassing grace of God in our lives. We are exemplifying all that God has done and is doing in us and letting it overflow from our lives to other people's lives. The grace of God is a beautiful thing. And number three, God gives grace. All that we have is because of God and his amazing grace. Therefore, just as we have freely received, we should freely give and be the answer to people's prayers for help. So let's be blessed to be a blessing. Let's be all that God has called us to be. It is only by his grace that we can move and breathe and have our being. It's through the grace of God. It's through Jesus. And let's give it all for for his glory. So in summary, the grace of God meets our needs and gives us enough to help others in need. So let's apply this to our life in three ways. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, acknowledge the blessings in your life given by the grace of God. So everything is that we have is because of his grace. And number three, live a life of generous giving by the grace of God. It's the grace of God that makes us generous. It's not our own, it's not our own doing. It's by the grace of God that we're able to live how he has commanded us to live. If that makes you excited, let's confess this confession over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. So if your treasure really is with Jesus in heaven, please stand up to your feet as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings today. Again, MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. An offering is an amount above the tithe given towards missions and towards building. We give towards various uh, various missions, projects throughout the year, and our building fund that we've been currently in. We thank you for partnering with us. I also want to remind you on the envelope, there's different categories of where this all goes. Please be specific with the amounts that you want to be allocated towards each of these categories. MPI has four ways for you to give. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, of the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. If you would like to do that today, you could see Pastor Jerry. Number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very easy, efficient, convenient. So our soul winning summer continues. Again, the All Nations Dinner is a part of that. Let's keep giving God our best. Pray to partner to give if you haven't done so already. We're going to be changing Chicago and the world one soul at a time. God has been doing awesome things. We're so excited about all that has uh, transpired just in the last couple of months. And to see what God will do through this last next season is amazing. So we thank you for partnering with us. Let's finish strong, Metro Praise. Amen. Till we see the end of this. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace. Your amazing grace displayed in our life. And I pray, Lord God, that through that, 
we would show others your grace, God, because you've blessed us. We will be a blessing. So I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today. May it increase and multiply for your glory to meet the needs of the people in the city, for the gospel to be preached at the ends of the earth. I pray that you bless your people, bring them increases, raises, promotions, open doors of employment, O oh God. Pour out a blessing upon them that they will not have room to even receive it. I pray that we would work hard with our hands to bring you glory in all that we do and that we would be blessed to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give, and we thank you so much for your generosity. All right, how many are ready for the word? Make some noise. Come on, give me a whoop, whoop. Woo! Isn't it good to be in the house of God on a sunny Sunday? Amen. It's almost as nice as Nicaragua. Did you guys have fun on your two-week vacation? You guys were tropical everywhere. I loved it. I went to the Keys a little while back. Some people are on vacation now. And I'll tell you what, look around at your friends and just tell them thank you for being here. Sometimes churches go through a summer slump. We're going to grow in the summer. We had about 150 in our first service. The, uh, I was talking to Joe B. in the back, and he said, man, it looks like there's a lot of people here today, and uh, we're going to probably set a good summertime record. You know why? Because we love Jesus. Amen? And guess what? The beach ain't going nowhere. It's still going to be out there. This gringo is not missing any sun, if you can tell. I've been outside. I've been enjoying the weather. And uh, I want to do something special. If it's okay, can we pray for Ellie today? Uh, there, there has been a missing young person in our church. Would you come forward, please? Can you come forward? I just want to pray for Ellie. Um, can you tell me your name? My name is, the, the, the database of my mind is running in 100 places. Susanna. Yes, I'm so sorry. I forgot your name. You know I know you, and you know I love you, and we've talked many times before. Come on up here. Her daughter, let's put up the picture, guys. Let's put up the picture. Her daughter, Ellie Mattis, which was one of our youth, has been missing since which day? The 22nd of June, so Wednesday. Wednesday. We need to pray for Ellie Mattis to come home, okay? Can I get some of the lady elders and deacons to come around here quickly? We're going to put up her beautiful picture. From what I understood, because I saw it on the news, she had gotten a bad grade. That's misinformation. Misinformation. That's what they said on the line, okay. We got to tell them, no, no, no. Through the police. The police, and it's just one thing to add to another. Let's wait for us to get it up there. Um, let me think of a way that I might be able to get it up there. Gentlemen, are you trying to do that too? 
I want to take time in this service to pray for her. I want everyone to see her, and if you guys see her around, how do you spell your last name, her last name? S. Santana? I'm getting all the names wrong today. You still love me? I know you're hurting right now, and I'm not helping with this. I'm going to spell this name right. Would you just spell her name right there? And I'll, I'll get it, gentlemen. I'm going to put it up here because it's already on national or uh, whatever news thing. Okay, and then put in her first name. There we go. Should be up here. Let's see. Gentlemen, I have it. Thank you. Here she is. Doesn't she just look happy and sweet right here? Of course, it went blank. Is there anything we should know as we're waiting for this picture to come up? Girls, would you stand around her today? Let's pray for Ellie Modish to come home. Could you imagine if this was your daughter? She's been gone since Wednesday. Let's pray, okay? Father, we ask you right now to bring home Ellie Modish. We pray for you, God, to use her mother and all the efforts of the friends going around, putting up flyers, posting her picture. We pray that right now, Father God, someone will spot her and she'll come home either through their prompting or through your conviction in her heart, and she'll decide to come home. But either or, God, we need to know where she's at. I can only imagine. I have no clue to what this mother's going through. I cannot even imagine a part of what she's facing right now, let alone to carry this burden. But, Lord, she came to church today. She came because she wants to be encouraged. She wants to be around her brothers and sisters to sing the songs of victory and to pray and believe that Ellie Modis will come home and that this time next week Ellie Modis will be in church with her and that the problem will be solved, God, that the issues, whatever it is, in Ellie Modis' heart, God, will go uh, to peace, to blessing. She won't be confused. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm so sorry for what you're going through. So if anybody sees Ellie Modis, will you please contact the authorities, the, the helpline? What is that number? What is the number they're supposed to call? Special victims. Okay, so we're believing God for her to come back home. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We are in a sermon series called Spiritual Disciplines. I know it doesn't sound like a fun summer series, but it is fun. Have you guys been enjoying it? It's about spiritually exercising and becoming healthy in our spiritual life. How many are trying to become healthy in their physical life? Lose a little weight, lift some weights? Anybody? Are you guys up right now? Okay, let's start like this. How many of you can hear my voice right now? Raise your hands. How many can actually hear me? Okay. How many of you are doing exercise this summer to lose weight and to get in shape? Okay. How about a few of you? It's better than none. Before, there was nobody doing it, right? Right now, what I love to do is swim. So I go to the pool. There's a lap pool where I go. I swim, man. I love it. And then I go to the park, you know, maybe with my shirt off, you know, because I feel good now. And then I start doing pull-ups at the monkey bars where the kids play. So my kids are playing, doing their monkey bars, and I do some pull-ups. I think I'm getting some pretty good-sized muscles. What do you guys think? Am I getting, you can touch it. It won't hurt you. <laughs> But uh, I've been having so much fun this summer getting out. Now, here's the deal. 
I don't always want to do it, right? Sometimes I just want to go out and eat Dairy Queen, and I don't know which one's winning right now because I got some muscle there and I got some muscle here. Um, and so sometimes it's Dairy Queen swimming, Dairy Queen swimming. And then I don't know if you're like me, but you'll say to yourself, I'm going to go swimming so I can have Dairy Queen. But somehow, once again, Dairy Queen keeps winning because I don't think I swim enough to get off that Dairy Queen that I've eaten. But here's the thing. I got to do it even if I don't feel like doing it. And I've lost 60 pounds over the last year. Some of you know that. 60 pounds. 60 pounds. Many of you have uh, come new to the church. Can I show you a picture of what I looked like before I lost all this weight? Anybody want to see it? Are you guys up? To, should I stop asking you questions? The first service was a lot nicer than you guys, okay? Let me just say that. Uh, no, you don't like that? Well, then talk to me. Say amen. Can I get an amen from somebody? Just, just talk, you know. Okay, so let me show you what I looked like before I started losing weight. For those of you who are new to the church, this is what I looked like right here. Oh, sister. Oh, sister. Be nice to me now. Be nice. I know. I'll be honest with you. When I was a young man, when I was a young man, I would take off my shirt at the pool, and the girls would be like, ooh. I'm telling you, when I was a young man, they, I used to be like that. Then I look like this, and I would take off my shirt at the pool, and they would make noises like you. Ugh. Oh, oh, please, please put it back on. Please, please, kids, turn away. No, but this was me basically about a year ago. Now, did I want to do exercise? Did it, did it feel normal for me to do exercise? No, it hurts. I talk to trainers, and they say, oh, that's your muscles stretching. And I'm like, I don't like it when they stretch, you know. And, and, and jogging, oh, that's you building up endurance. I don't like building up endurance. I want to practice laying on the couch, okay. And that's what it takes to lose weight. Well, we are in a sermon series right now called Spiritual Disciplines. And another way of looking at discipline is the word exercise. Everybody say exercise. And so we got to do our spiritual exercises. And so for today, we're on number three, our third spiritual exercise, which is scripture memorization. See, that doesn't get you excited, does it? Many people are like, oh, we're going to learn about memorizing scripture. That doesn't sound fun. Pastor, tell me about heaven. Tell me about how I can become rich and blessed and happy and never have any problems. Okay, listen to me. We got to learn how to do this so that we can be blessed. We got to learn how to do this to please God. Do you know that you wouldn't even have a Bible unless somebody memorized it and handed it down? scriptures were handed down. Do you know that Peter was a fisherman and he preached on the day of Pentecost? Remember that? He stood up and he's like, these guys aren't drunk. They're just high on the Holy Ghost and there ain't no high like the most high, right? Give Jesus a try. And so he's doing that. But guess what he's doing? He's doing that from memory. He's quoting the prophet Joel from memory. Now, if I asked you guys to sing me a Beyonce song or if I asked somebody to sing me a Lady Gaga song or if I said, tell me who's batting or got the best batting average of the Cubs, we could just rattle off information like that. Or when does your favorite TV show come on and what's going on in their lives? We have all this information in our mind. But here's my question. How many scriptures do you know by heart? What do you know about the Bible in here? In your corazón, in your heart. You've got to hide the word of God in your heart, and it takes discipline. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, turn with me to 1 Corinthians as we go to our series scripture. We've been going through this for this whole entire time, and we will keep doing it every week. Here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold up. Is everybody doing okay with the air conditionings? We got eight, uh, the fans here are eight, eight of them. Are you guys staying okay? If you weren't okay, there's nothing I can do for you other than to ask you to move closer to a fan. So for our aesthetics, we have lost all of our installation. Somebody should have thought about that when they were tearing out the roof. This is going to be so cool, man. We're going to black out the roof, throwing up. Because it used to be like an office type, uh, like that weird, not that weird, but, you know, um, 
that office ceiling tiles. Ceiling tiles is the word for that. So when we were tearing that off, that was exciting. It's like going black out the, the roof. But then nobody thought about the insulation being gone. So that's why it's a little hot in here. But is everybody okay? Okay, you have my permission to move closer to a fan if you're not. And do I have your permission to put this closer to me? Okay, there we go. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. If you're there, say I'm there. Here it is. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Here's Paul talking to a New Testament church in Corinth, but only one gets the prize. Everybody say, winners win. Losers lose. Which one are you, a winner or a loser? Okay, if you want to win the prize, you got to run in such a way as to get the prize. Look at verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. That's where we get the word spiritual discipline from. Spiritual exercise. These guys would have gladiator fights. They did the Olympics. We have the Summer Olympics coming up. How many know if they want to win in a race, they've got to practice? How many know if they want to win swimming, they've got to practice, right? If you want to win in life, what do you got to do? Practice. Come on, let's try this again. If a swimmer wants to win, win, they have to what? Okay, they have to practice. If a runner wants to win, they have to. If you want to win in life, you have to practice going to strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. They would get those grass crowns. Now we give out golden medals. Still doesn't last forever. The crown you get in heaven lasts forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone aimlessly. Oh, I don't know where I'm going. I'm lost in life. Oh, what should I do? Horoscope, tell me. I'm so confused. Oh, I'm spiritual, and I don't know what to do with myself. Oh, Oprah, tell me the secret. What's the secret, Oprah? I really want to know it really bad. This is me second service, by the way. This is me second service. Somebody's like, just be yourself. I don't know if you can handle me being myself. But this is me being myself. And so people are like, what? I just, I just want to just have it work for me and just naturally be a better person and just do things. And it works out like winning the lottery. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says here, you want to win in Christianity? Look at the ones who win races. You want to win in the fight against the devil? Look at those who win in boxing matches. Do boxers beat the air? When they're, I'm not talking about them practicing, doing their shadow boxing. I'm talking about in the fight, does Manny Pacquiao start running in a circle, just punching the air? Of course not. You don't win battles that way. It says they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. And make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Who is the one person that can send you to hell? You. You. God only gives you what you want. Hell is for those who don't want God. Did you know that? Sometimes we get this image like God is looking at the sinner going, ha, 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 I, I tried to save you, but you didn't want it. And I, I was so mean to you, and I made your life miserable. And look, I hid myself from you, and then you just didn't want it. And I don't want you either. So he kicks him into hell. No, no, no. That's not what, it's not a trick. Like, it's not like God's tricking us. It's not like this jelly bean game that my kids play that they got from the dollar store from Aldi's or whatever. Has anybody ever seen that jelly bean game? It's like they have one that literally talks, uh, tastes like dog poo-poo. Then they have another one that tastes like skunk and another one like this. And then it's like you spin a dial, and, and, and it's like there's two white ones. One will taste like boogers, and the other ones will taste like coconut. Has anybody seen this game? I'm a father of young children. I see these games, okay? Well, when you spin it, 
and you do it with a, a per person. You play two people at a time. So you and I are playing. We both go on white. I mean, I go on white. We're playing together. You get a white one. I get a white one. One's going to taste like boogers, and they do a good job in those scientific labs to make that stuff taste like boogers. Let me just tell you right now. It makes people really sick. You can watch it on YouTube. People are puking. It's nasty, right? And then yours may taste like coconut. Well, here's the deal. Is that what God's doing with us? One goes to heaven. One goes to hell. Whoopsie doopsie. No, no, no. Hell is a place for people who intentionally say, I don't want you, God. I don't want you, God. I don't want you, God. I don't want you in my life. And God says, okay, your will be done. They say, I don't want your will to be done, God. I want my will to be done. And at the end of the, their, their life, he says, okay, your will be done. Hell is yours. Hell is yours. What is hell? A place without God. So do you want to be where God is not? Yes or no? Do you want to be where God is not? Yes or no? Do you want to you be where God is? So if heaven is up there and that's what makes God awesome, I mean, that's what makes heaven awesome is where God is. Should we have heaven on earth? Yeah, we should. The Bible says we should pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about time we start becoming so heavenly minded that we're earthly good. Because if we're earthly minded, we're no good to heaven. I'm going to say that again. If you want heaven to come on earth and you're done with hell on earth, you're done with people choosing evil, you have to be heavenly minded and start thinking about what God thinks about doing it God's way. And God's ways are not our ways. They don't come natural to us, right? Our ways naturally lean towards sin. My children, no one's taught them to lie. Did any of you teach my children to lie? Where's the children's workers at? Ashley Bolden, Sister Soldier, raise your hand. You're an awesome children's worker. You never taught my child to lie, did you? Stephanie, raise your hand. You've watched my children many, many times. Did you teach them to lie? Well, then how did my children learn to lie? I didn't teach them. I know I didn't go up to them and go, hey, here's psst, psst, Bethany. Next time I ask you a question, whether or not you did this or that, you lied to me, and Daddy will be happy about that. No, I didn't teach her that. What taught my daughter to lie? Human nature. As she began to know herself, see the consequences of behavior, it became natural for her to lie and try to get herself out of that, right? Try to change the circumstance. And the Bible says we've been born sinners from birth. We're on our way to destruction. That's why Jesus said, you know, John 3, 16, that famous scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, do you understand that the scripture keeps going? John 16, John 17, John 18. You know what it says? He didn't come in to condemn the world. Why didn't Jesus come to condemn the world? Because the world was condemned already. Can I hear an amen to that? Jesus didn't have to come to everybody and go, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Guess what? You're going to hell, you're going to hell. Where are you going? Let me just tell you. You're going to hell. No, he didn't have to do that. Why? Look at John 3, 16. You see the scripture right here? For God, you know, send his son to the world. Or excuse me, God so loved the world he did all this. But watch this. Look at 17. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Can I hear an amen? So he's not walking around condemning him. Why? Look at verse 18. For whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned. What? Already. You already going to hell. People like, Pastor, you told me I'm going to hell. You scared me. You messed with me. Listen, I didn't do nothing except tell you the truth of what your destination is. And then people are like, don't you judge me. Well, first of all, can we do that like in a normal life? Like, do you not judge the person babysitting your child? Do you not, does you, do you not want the police officer to judge the suspect person in your neighbor? We judge all the time. Here's what Jesus said. Don't judge lest you be judged for the same measure you judge others with. You will be judged. If you don't want to be judged by God's law, don't by, judge other people by God's law. But if you want to be judged by God's law, then you better make a righteous judgment by God's law in other people's lives. So I'll tell you to not sin, but you can point the finger right back at me and say, Pastor, you better not what? Sin. Because it's for both of us. Can I hear an amen? That's the introduction to the introduction. How many are ready for the first introduction? Okay, let's go to the introduction on why today... We need to learn about spiritual disciplines. Look at this chart right here. 
Does anybody enjoy these charts? Does this help anybody? Okay, here's how we need to understand spiritual disciplines. The showing here in the middle is what a spiritual discipline is. Knowing is how we get saved. Showing is how we live saved. And growing is how we grow in our salvation. Everybody say grow up so you can go up. Come on, say grow up so you can go up. So how is a person saved? They have to know, have faith that Jesus is God and Savior. He's not just a good man. He's the God man. He wasn't just a martyr. He was the Savior of the world, dying on the cross for our sins. How many know Braveheart was a brave man? He died for others to give them freedom, but he doesn't take away sins, right? How many know there's been a lot of wise men that have walked the earth, but none of them raised from the dead on the third day? Hello? Do you believe that? That's how you're saved. I believe Jesus is Lord. He's God and he's Savior. That's what it means. Number two, you have to believe that Jesus can actually transform your life and make you a new creation. You can become born again, saved, redeemed. All of these spiritual terms that relate to a new life. Because if you don't believe God can change you, then the commands are going to be impossible for you. But if you believe God is your creator and that he's a good God, then that means you can be born again. You were born once a sinner, now you can be born a saint. You were born first naughty in nature, now you can be born again in divine nature. Hello, somebody. And then number three, do you believe you can keep God's commands? Because otherwise, he's a big old meanie. Could you imagine me going home and saying to Bethany, my seven-year-old, now you listen, Bethany, are you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry, Dad. Here's how you eat food in my house. You have to be able to do 100 push-ups without stopping. She'd be like, Dad, I'm trying one, two, three, and then she would fall on four. Let's be honest. Is that God tricking us with the commands? I don't want you to lie, but it's so hard. God, I just have to lie sometimes. Is that how it is? You see, if you're truly born again, you don't have to lie anymore. If you're truly having Jesus in your life, you don't have to steal anymore. That's what you have to know to be saved, that Jesus is God and Savior, that Jesus changed me when I was born again or can change me if I'm not born again, and that now I can do all that God commanded me to do. Say amen if you believe this. Do you believe that Jesus is your God and Savior? Do you believe you are who he said you are? Do you believe you can do what he said you can do? That determines your salvation right there, not by works but by faith. Do you believe? Now, if you are saved, there will be good works in your life. If you are a healthy apple tree, you will bear apples. What does the Christian do to show that they are truly changed? These 12 things, these disciplines, these exercises. They'll read their Bible. They'll have family order, scripture memorization, soul journaling, prayer and worship, discipleship and Christ-likeness, Christian service. They'll live like God everywhere they go, public evangelism. Did you guys enjoy the seven minutes of preaching with the video? I thought that was cool, right? I, I, that's a long story how it turned out that way. But anyways, spiritual meditation, financial stewardship, Christian fellowship, church involvement. Everybody say, I can do that. Every single one of these things, every person can do. Every single one of them. You may say, well, if I can't write something down, well, you'll remember God's promises in your life. Now you want to grow. Knowing plus showing equals growing. How many want to grow in goodness? Is there a goodness tree? You can go and get it and eat it and say, I'm good now. I'm good. Is there a knowledge tree? You can just go eat it and say, I'm good now. Do they sell self-control at the store for $1.99 a pound? Can I go get five pounds of self-control and give it to my neighbor? You need self-control, neighbor. Take some of this. No, self-control, all of these things come from the spirit in your life as you are obedient, as you keep God's, God's commands, as you work out your faith, you grow in goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and gentleness. What does it look another way? Look at this. Uh, way of tracking your spiritual life. New birth is when you're saved and sanctified. Somebody say made like Christ. 
Thank you. Spiritual growth is knowing, showing, and growing. Growing like Christ. Everybody say growing like Christ. Renewal and transformation is thinking and acting like Christ. Somebody say thinking and acting like Christ. New birth plus spiritual growth plus renewal and transformation equals reflecting the image of Christ. God made you in his image. You were put on this earth for a purpose. The devil has diverted us, and now we have a choice. Which path do we want? The path of everlasting life or the path of destruction? Building our house on sand or building our house on the rock of God's word? Are you guys tracking with me? You were made to reflect Jesus. You were made to live like Jesus. That's how you do it. And spiritual disciplines play a key role. Look at this scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, look at this, are changed into the same image. How many of you are being changed right now into the same image of the Lord? From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Is anybody being changed into the image of Christ? You better be getting changed into the image of Christ. I'm not going from glory to gory. I'm going from glory to glory. Let me tell you the difference. Here's from glory to gory. I love you so much, Jesus. You're the best. But every now and then I look at I like to look at pornography because it feels so good. But then now I feel guilty and I shouldn't have did it. And Lord, you're the best. Please forgive me. But I really feel like looking at it again because I like it. And I don't know how to say no to it. And now I feel so bad. Oh, geez, that's going from glory to gory. Lord, forgive me for being jealous, but I really hate that person. They don't deserve that haircut. They don't deserve that, that car or whatever. But, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Oh, she did this. Oh, I got to tell everybody about this. I can't believe she did. Oh, I feel so convicted. I don't want that to happen to me. See, that's going from glory to gory, back and forth. You're on a broken record of sin. The Christian life is not supposed to be sin, repent, sin, repent. It's supposed to be from glory to glory to glory. You say, Pastor, have you sinned since being a Christian? Yes, but I sin less now than I did when I first became a Christian. Hello? Ask my wife after 11 years, am I a better husband or worse husband or the same kind of husband? Better. Glory to glory to glory. There are things on the list of sins I have never done since being saved. There are some that God is still working with me on. Are you listening to me? I have never stolen again since being saved. I used to get break and enter. I was a criminal. Guys, can you all leave this way? Go this way. Oh, you're sitting down. Sorry, that's embarrassing for me. But I just see a lot of people going down the middle. Second service, guys, let me just help you. Go towards that way. Everybody go say that way. Exit rows that way. Thank you. Is everybody buckled up? I'm still getting ready here to go to alt cruising altitude, okay? We're still taking off. This is the uh, first introduction. I have another introduction, okay? Can you guys handle two introductions in the message? Okay, track with me. Now watch this. I haven't looked at pornography since 96. You can say I'm lying or not, but that's the truth. I haven't stolen since 95, right? I haven't said a swear word since 95. It's a swear word. I haven't gotten a fight until a few months after I got saved in 95. <laughs> one last fight and I'm done, Jesus. That's one last one. Haven't gotten a fight since 95. I've never cheated on my wife in adulterous affair. You see, when we start getting all, girl, you know, just like, mixed up with sin, you start making excuses for sin. Well, he's a sinner, I'm a sinner. I'm not expected to go from glory to glory. Yes, you are. You're expected to leave stuff behind and not be the same person anymore. And so, yes, if you're still struggling to sin, God loves you, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. So, I, you know, people are like, well, he loves me this the way I am. Yes, but too much to let you stay that way. There should be, there should be distant from, distance from your sins. And what are the things that God's still working with me on? My temper, my anger, inner lust, you know, towards those who are not my wife, right? Something that may be in my heart, but I don't act out in on pornography or adultery. But guess what? I am moving away from it more and more every day of my life and moving more and more towards his image. Does everybody get that? From glory to what? 
To glory? To what? To glory. How many want to take that path? Does anybody want to go back to gory? No, that's not good. Now let's go to the second introduction. Let's talk today about scripture memorization. We're on number three, spiritual discipline. Hopefully you know why it's important. Everyone battles with negative thoughts. Think about this. Think about what you think about. 80% of your thoughts are negative, they say. I'm ugly. I'll never get a good job. I'm a terrible person. I'm just a sinner. I can never change. It's the way God made me, right? However, what separates people who please God from those who don't is determined by their trust in God's word. We were all born sinners. We were all born with a, as what we might say, a taste for sin. Everyone had a different taste for sin. Somebody might like an 85 Chardonnay. Somebody else might like a little malt liquor, a little eight ball, right? Come on, listen to me. You might have been born with same-sex attraction. Another person might have been born with anger problems. Another person might have been born with a depressive mindset. All of us have been born with a propensity to sin. That's not our excuse anymore. Christians are to not live in their sin but follow Jesus. Look at what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says. Let me work this word with you. Somebody say, work it. Come on, somebody say, twerk it. Now listen to this. My preaching brings all the disciples to the yard because my preaching is better than yours. Does anybody remember that song? My milkshake brings them boys to the yard. But think about it like this. My preaching brings disciples to the yard because my preaching is, my <laughs> okay. I just want you to think about that silly little thing. Think about this little silly little mimic. Not that my preach is better than somebody else, but watch this. If somebody, oh, thank you, but if somebody's been telling you it's okay to live in sin, they're not telling you the truth. Some of you who don't know that song, praise God, your mind is pure. You should never know that song. It's a worldly song I have taken to mean a Christian meaning. But watch this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe, number one, that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Those people who say, I'll believe in God if he proves himself to me are fools. God will never play that game. God says it's a wicked generation that demands signs for proof. He doesn't go out here and try to prove himself. Think about when he was on the earth. He wasn't like, hey, guys, come here, come here. I'm God. Well, I don't believe you. Watch this. And shoot out fire from his hand and be like, no, I'm God. And then you can see somebody being like, I don't know, Jesus. Maybe you're a magician. And then maybe he's like floating on the sky. You know, No, listen, Jesus didn't do that. As a matter of fact, when people said, hey, we heard you were doing miracles over there. Come do them here because we'll believe you then. He goes, you're a wicked generation. My words should be enough for you. And now we're a part of a time where we don't see Jesus. And so now we have people that are scientific fools, philosoph philosophy fools, and they want to tell you, I don't believe what I can't see. I don't believe I, what I can't see. And here's the problem with that. They have to believe in only what they see, and then they contradict themselves. Let me give you an example. If this computer did not have a web camera on it, and it became self-aware and had no way of looking out, could the computer see its creator? It would have no way of seeing its creator because it would be in its own system. If it then had a way of looking out like this web camera, now it could see beyond itself. And this is the foolish way of thinking in our world. People are being scientific, quote, unquote, in matter, space, and time, saying, God, prove yourself in matter, space, and time. And God says, I created matter, space, and time. I stand outside of matter, space, and time. But here's the problem that they have. They say it like this. Hey, just give us three miracles, Christians, and we'll explain the rest because we're really smart. Just, just give us the miracle of how 
something came from nothing a long time ago. Then give us the miracle of how life came from non-living things. And then give us the miracle of a conscious brain of how we know ourselves. And then we'll explain in science why there's not a God. Come on, somebody say the fool said in their heart there is no God. You see, think about that. That's foolish. How did something come from nothing? It can't happen. That's proven every time in science. But they don't want to admit that our something is God. They would rather say you were seeded by an alien race that came down here and dropped some seeds, and those are our God, as opposed to saying a God of, mat- uh, a God of immaterial, spiritual nature created matter, space, and time. The second thing is, is they want to say that life started from some way we don't know, but then it came from the goo of the ocean through the zoo, all of these animals, to you. Do we believe that? No, because God formed us in his image. And that goes to the third thing, that the conscious mind is a mystery even to science. How do we know ourselves? Why does this correspond with this? Why does that happen? And so what we need to do is understand that God proves himself over and over and over again to the people who believe in him. And here's all the faith that you need. The Bible says all you need is a mustard seed of faith. He didn't say you need a, a, you know, a watermelon size of faith. If you can just start with the mustard seed side of faith. That, that's where I was at November 5th, 1995. My mom's telling me about God, and I'm on drugs, and I used to know Jesus, but I don't believe in him anymore. And she just said some stuff, and it made sense to me. And I said, I'm not sure. And she said, if you can just believe this, he died on the cross and will change your life. He'll, he'll start with that. And I, that day, put literally a mustard seed, if you've ever seen it, so small, faith in God. And I began to see that he keeps his word. Everybody say he keeps his word. Thank you. Now, I want you to sing this song with me. It's an old-time song, but I want to sing it with you. And I can't sing it all, so you can laugh if you want. But I would prefer if you sing it with me because I think it will teach us about what we're about ready to get into and how precious it is that we support, uh, that we believe in Jesus. Listen to these words. If you don't know it, some of you who know it, like Jerry, please help me. Tis so sweet. To trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord Jesus, 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 how I trust him. How I've proved him o'er and o'er, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him. See, without faith, you can't trust God. With faith, you can trust him just this much, and he'll start to change your life, and he'll prove himself to you over and over and over again. Now go back to our message. Why does that make so much sense to what we're learning today about scripture memorization? It's because if you want to get the stinking thinking out of your mind, you've got to replace it with something. Replace it with the word of God. You've got to speak the promises of God to your problems. You cannot try to negotiate with your problems. You've got to speak the word of God to them. Look at this. I have the links on the website if you want to check it out. Modern psychology shows that the best way to combat negative thoughts is by replacing them with new positive thoughts. Now think about this as a thought experiment right now. You guys ready to do it? When I say red ball, try not to think about a red ball while I'm talking about a red ball. You ready? Let's go. Red balls are awesome. Red balls bounce up and down. Red balls are cool. Red balls are in my house right now. Some of my kids play with red balls. How well are you doing not thinking about a red ball while I'm talking about a red ball? 
it's really hard, and the only way you can stop the thought of a red ball is if you think about something else really, really hard, right? It's the only way you can combat it, because if you keep hearing red ball, you'll keep fighting that thought, and it'll become bigger and bigger and bigger, and all you'll see is a red ball. Here's the point. You don't fight negative thoughts with the idea of trying to rationalize through them. You replace the negative thought with a positive thought. You bounce your thought literally from the thought that's negative to the positive. They teach this in modern psychology, but here's the difference. Look with me quickly in the Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. A lot of scriptures in Hebrews in this introduction. Why is this important for the Christian? For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges what the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So now think about this. They might fire me. I've heard that there's downsizing. I saw my, my coworker get fired. I might get fired. What am I going to do? If I get fired, I'm not going to have bills. My kids aren't going to have food to eat. How many have ever gone that, down that road of worry, right? And now you start telling yourself, I need to stop worrying. I need to stop worrying about my job. I need to stop worrying about my job, not having money, not being able to pay, and not being able to have money for my kids. I need to stop worrying about that, but it's so hard because I keep thinking about it. When I think about it, I worry about it. So what do you do? You bounce the thought. You bounce the thought, and the thought comes. I've been see, seeing people get fired. I may lose my job. may not be able to pay for my kids. But you know what? If I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that I need will be added unto me. My God shall supply all of my needs. What I have done is just changed my focus. I have not ignored my problems. I spoke God's promises to my problems. Do you get the difference? The, the PMA world, the positive mental attitude world, is going to say it like this. Uh, they're going to say, just switch it with something positive. Well, I might, you know, I, you know I'm, people are losing their jobs, things are going bad, but I might find a better job. I might be able to do, do something else in life. But you see, there's no hope in that. That's why Robin Williams killed himself. He had the best of psychology at his, at his reach. That's why he still killed himself. Do you understand? Let's talk serious for a minute. How does a man with all of that money kill himself? We say it's a disease. Well, what kind of disease is it, my friend? It's a disease of the soul. And not that I have anything against psychology. I say if you're going to do it, do it with Christian psychologists and psychiatrists, okay? We have great, some of the best ones in Chicago, PhDs in every field you can imagine, and they're doing that as a, as a gift to the church. But listen, 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 listen. The Bible had the answer a long time ago. Why, why does a six-year-old commit suicide after being bullied? Think about that. Because what she adopted is the thoughts of her accusers. The accuser said she's ugly. Now she looks at herself and says, I'm ugly. Her parents looking right at her, right at, come on, you don't think they had good parents? Some of these stories will break your heart in a million pieces. A good parent's looking right at her. That's not true. You're beautiful. You're amazing. Your mom and dad love you. We'll go to another school. We'll do it. Why does the girl then hang herself in the closet? True story. Why does that girl do that? Because her mom's word did not penetrate her own words. She took on the lies of what people said to her. Now take this down to where each and every one of you are at. When we believe lies, it brings death. It may not bring the extreme of a suicide here in this world, but it brings spiritual death. Everything that's a lie that comes from Satan brings spiritual death. I'm single. Nobody's going to ever love me. Death. You'll never be ready for the person when they come into your life. I'm broke. It's a joke. And I live on Barely Get Along Avenue. That's the busted and disgusted street. I'll never get off this place in my life. See, that's where you'll stay. Poverty mentality, right? And so we don't talk like the world. We don't argue with ourselves with our words. That's why Robin Williams lost. That's why the six-year-old girl lost. She argued with herself with her own words. You bring the sword of the, of the word of God into your thoughts. You bring the sword of God into your thoughts. And it cuts through the lies of the devil. It cuts through the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Are you tracking with me there? It's a serious thing, isn't it? It's a serious thing. 
Modern psychology is telling us to do this. Now, the Word of God is powerful. Now, keep going here. Studies show that memorizing the Bible, memorizing the Bible, what are memories? Thoughts of your past, the language of your past. Can you hold your memory? Can you hold that boyfriend that broke your heart? But why do you still feel it? Because memories attach themselves to feelings. Feelings and memories go hand in hand. That's why they're also attached to other senses. Smells, sight, you see something, reminds me of that. Smell something, reminds me of that, right? Those of you who have been deeply hurt in life, you know what I'm talking about. You'll be having a normal day. Some smell, some sight will trigger a feeling back to that memory. Post-traumatic stress disorder from our soldiers. Fireworks going off on 4th of July. What did they tell you to do? Don't do it in your neighborhood. You may have soldiers there with PTSD, and those are triggers to them, right? But why does that happen to them and not to my child who wants me to light fireworks in the house if I can? Because my child doesn't have the memory of his friend getting his arm blown off next to him, right? So what do we say to the person with PTSD? Ignore that your friend died there in Iraq. Ignore that. And we've had people in the church with, with people who have died. In their, in, their, in their time in Iraq. Okay, listen to, do we tell them, forget that that never happened, the girl who's getting bullied, forget that. No, 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 this is what we say. Start memorizing the word and get the thoughts of God in your heart and start making new memories. Attach these memories to feelings and start letting God's spirit transform your life. That's your only hope. That's your only hope. Can I hear an amen to that? There's nothing stronger than the word of God. Can I show you the power of the word of God? Before I get to that second part of the uh, the introduction. Look at the word of God here in Genesis chapter 1. This is going to blow some of your minds right here. This is going to encourage you. Genesis chapter 1 tells us the story of creation. How many believe in the big bang in one way or another? I do. God said it and bang, it happened. That's how I believe it happened. That's how I can explain life, right? That's how I explain it. Now watch. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's what many people's life is like right now. Formless, empty, full of darkness. And the spirit of God is hovering over this world, waiting for the word to be spoken so that God will change lives. You say, well, why doesn't God just change me without the word being spoken? Because God has limited himself to your free will. If you don't want it, God won't give it. Are you listening? It is lim God limit. At the Garden of Eden, did he chain them to a tree and say, you, can, you can't leave here? Is God a divine kidnapper? Adam and Eve, psst, come in my van. Come here, Adam and Eve. We got them. Lock them up. Psst, take them to heaven. No. Here's what God does. Garden of Eden. Everything you want, streams of living water, watch. Here's your way out. Here's your way out. I'm not your kidnapper. I'm not forcing you to stay. You do it my way, or you can eat a tree of knowledge and good and evil, and you'll become like me, and you'll make your own good and evil. They go over there, and the devil tempts them. They go for it. Now, what do we have? A world full of destruction because we've been choosing what good and evil looks like, don't we? And we haven't been doing well with it, have we? So now watch, Jesus wants to recreate us and make us new on the inside. And we can go right back to here and see how he does it. The earth was formless, empty, and dark. That's what my life was like November 4th, 1995, before I came to Jesus, November 5th. Hello? I was formless, I was empty, and it was darkness. And the Spirit of God was waiting for what? This is what the Bible says. And God said, let there be light, and there was, come on, there was what? Now, you see in the beginning, right? You understand that in the beginning there was God and there was light. You all see all that? 
Now watch this. In the beginning was the what? The Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, how many things were made? All things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of what? All mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Anyone here in darkness, listen to me. Jesus' light will overcome your darkness. Jesus' light will overcome your sin. Go into a dark room. No matter how dark it is, turn on light and see how fast it goes. Now listen, if God could create the entire universe out of his own spoken word, what can he do in your little universe, in in your little world right now, in my world right now, if I let his light come in through his word? So let him light up my mind. Let him light up my heart. Let him light me up as a father, as a husband, as a pastor and all that I do in this world. Look at your neighbor and say, let him light you up. Come on, get lit for Jesus. Amen. Get lit for Jesus. Studies show Dr. Meyer. Look at this. Dr. Meyer did a study of seminary students, Christians, Christians, in his book, Renewing Your Mind in a Secular World. Three years he tracked with them. Those who memorized scripture. Listen, none of them, three years tracking seminary students, none of them were depressed, none of them were on medication. In seminary, out of the three years, all of those who after three years of studying and stress and on medication, all of them had one thing in common. They didn't memorize scripture. Now you might say, Pastor, am I making that up? Go look up the book, Renewing Your Mind in a Secular World by Dr. Meyer. Three-year study. Those who memorized scripture for the three years on a weekly or daily basis at the end of that three years had no mental trauma. The students who just did normal life tried to take it day by day on their own all had one thing in common. They didn't make an intention, a discipline, an exercise for scripture, and they had a byproduct of stress, anxiety, and depression. Now, you ask yourself this question, has God lied to me? Because the studies are proving it to be accurate. You get the word of God in your life, it will take the darkness of depression away. Now, you got depressed over a period of time, and the word of God may take a period of time, but it will be more effective than medication. It will be more effective than Dr. Phil. I have nothing against that. If that's where you want to start, that's fine. But even now, the medical world, one of the top researchers in anxiety, had wrote a whole entire thing about the body being a machine, and if you did X, Y, and Z, it would be fine. He himself fell back into anxiety, relapsed, had to move to Hawaii, and rewrite his book, The Workbook and Anxiety, one of the most famous textbooks on it. And guess what he discovered? You have to deal with the human soul. You cannot treat the body without the soul. The mind is so powerful, my friends, and we have been tricked into believing that God's word doesn't have an accurate uh, uh, power or something that is realistic. We think it's just a matter of make-believe. Faith is not make-believe. There is power in God's words. If you want more, look to Dr. Leaf's research on this in her books and videos. Now, I want you to see this as we get ready to get to the message. How many are ready for the preaching? Okay, let me get to the sermon today. Let me get to the sermon. Psalms 119.9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Do this favor for me right here, if you can do it in your Bible or anywhere you're at. Take out young person, take out purity, and substitute it with this. Watch. Young person, put in any person you are right now. How can a young woman, how can a married man, right? The subject 
can change to anything you are. Trust me, I'm going to Bible college. I understand I'm still getting my doctorate right now. This is hermeneutically, exegetically correct. I'm teaching you a principle of the word here. The subject can change. Put it to where you are right now. Come on. How can a married man, now watch, stay on the path of where it says purity, put in any goal that you see in the Bible for you, okay? How can a married man stay on the path of faithfulness to his wife? Do you get what I just did there? I changed the subject to me and the goal to something else in the Bible. Here's the principle. By living according to your word. The principle is this. Anything I ever, any, excuse me, any person I ever am in life and any goal that I ever have will be accomplished by this same way. By living according to your word. Do you get it? How does a retiree stay on the path of saving their money and honoring God? By living according to his word. How does a married couple stay married on the path of marriage without a divorce? By living according to the word of God. How does a young person grow up in Chicago and stay on the path of education and doing well, obeying their parents? By living according to the word of God. Do you understand that? Let me ask you a question another way. So if you think I did something tricky here, let me just ask you a question. Is there any other remedy for any kind of person or any goal in life that God will not say to you, do it by my word? Is there any other instruction that God will say to any kind of person other than do it by my word? Is there any other goal that you're going to achieve in life that God will say something to you other than do it by my word? How can a science stay on the path of knowledge by according to the word of God? How can a man lose 100 pounds and not be obese by living according to the word of God? Hello? How can somebody get out of depression and live in happiness by living according to the word of God? Here's what David is saying here. I'm a young man, and I need to stay pure. Here's my solution, by living according to the word of God. Now you know this applies to wherever you are in life, whatever goal you're wanting to face. I seek you with how much of my heart? All my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. He said, you know what? I'm going to hide your word in my heart instead of all these memories of the past. I'm going to begin to hide your truth in my heart. Download it. Put it into me instead of hiding all the pain. How many of you have hidden pain in your life? How many of you have hidden stinking thinking in your life? How many of you have allowed that? I know I have. Come on, I got scars on my body and scars on my mind from my past. How can I live as a good father now? How can I be a great pastor? By your word, O oh Lord, I have hidden it within my heart that I may not sin against you. Don't let me stray from your commands. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Now watch this. With my lips I will recount the laws that come from your mouth. I have science up here. I got so much to get into. Okay, but listen, when you speak in your voice something, your brain believes it more than any other way. As a child, you loved hearing your voice. You would soothe yourself with your own tears, and you're crying because you hearing your voice has a psychological effect on you. But guess what? Hearing your voice speak fear will freak you out more than anything else. Watch. Just watch. Just watch. Any one of your friends, when they're freaking out, we go rock climbing. You know, we do different things in this church, and I will watch people freak out. We'll, we'll get ready to belay down the mountain, uh, you know, and they're just freaking out. I'm scared. I can't do this. No, no, you know, and I will look at them, and I'll say, yes, you can. Rope can hold you. Twenty people have gone before you. You can make it. Why won't they believe it? Because in their heart, they don't believe me as true. They believe them as true. 
And it's no different with God. God's saying to you, you don't have to be angry like that anymore. You don't have to be hurt like that anymore. You don't have to carry around that pain. And you're saying, I, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It hurts. They hurt. I hurt. We hurt. You know, it's just pain. That's all we see. But God is saying, make a switch. Hide my word, not your past. Hide my word, not your feelings. Hide my word in your heart. Now do this. What comes from my mouth, speak it from your mouth. When I first got saved, I was just as anybody else getting saved that came from my past. Some of you didn't come from my past, but anybody that was coming from my past, I was just like you. Drugs, alcohol, partying, sex, all of that. Now watch. I start reading the Bible, Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the, sit in the seat of the mocker. But his delight is upon the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. I read that scripture, Psalm 1, and I realized this. I used to do this crazy stuff, but now I need to meditate on the word of God. I started to meditate on the word of God. I memorized the word of God, and then I started to change as I went out in my life. Because the thoughts that I was hiding in my heart started to change, and then what's like a teapot, whatever's in it, boils out when it gets hot enough and shook enough, whatever. Instead of cursing, I started praying. Instead of fighting, I started resisting. I started being patient. It started to happen over time. Why? Because my meditation of my heart changed. My confession of my words changed. I believed what I was saying because it was coming from his word. There is no other place that has the power of that. I can keep you here all day telling you how Christianity does what no one else can do. But Oprah Winfrey wants to imitate this, but she doesn't have the power of God's law and the word of God. Keep going. I rejoice in following your decrees. Where did I just go? Where happened there? Come on. Where did, what? Sorry, guys. I was excited. Was anybody else excited? I was ready to keep preaching that like I was sweating up here. Okay, here we go. Let's go back. I don't have this portion memorized. Sorry. I rejoice. Everybody say, I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. Some of you, if you won the lottery right now, you'd be doing backflips up and down here, speaking in tongues, shouting and hollering. Do you rejoice like that in following God's law? That's the difference of your heart. See, that shows you what's on the inside of you. See, God can't change your affection. How many of you at one time were in a relationship, the person treated you bad, and everybody told you to move on, but you didn't move on? Eventually, you did move on, and what did you say to yourself? Kicked yourself and go, I wish I would have done that sooner. Everybody's going to get to heaven going, I wish I would have done this sooner. I wish I would have found joy in God sooner because I realize now it's not about the Cubs. It's not about my job. Those things are temporal, but this is eternal, the word of God. I rejoice in it. I meditate on your precepts. Do I meditate on tofu and yoga pants and the crooked chicken? I meditate on your precepts. Meditation predates all of this stuff of Hinduism. Trust me. Trust me. They're trying to trick you into thinking that you need this for peace. You don't need to take your kids to Disney World, spend $2,000 to meet Disney, raise your children upright, teach them to spend time in God's word, meditate, and you'll find his peace. Amen? And consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Can I give you 10 ways to learn a scripture right here? Can I help you to memorize the Bible? How many want to be obedient and memorize the scripture? Hide it and recite it. Come on, somebody say, hide it and recite it. Choose a verse that speaks to you. Start small, write it down, say it aloud, incorporate it in your prayers, put it everywhere, use music, make it a game, translate it into a different language if you can. Repeat, repeat, repeat. How many want to learn a scripture right now? Here we go. Now, I did this in the first service, so I got a little something, something on you guys already, but we'll, we'll do it together, okay? How can a young person, how can a young person, I'm going to take it in chunks. How can a young person, how can a young person, how can a young person 
Stay on the path of purity. 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 How can a young person stay on the path of purity? How can the young person stay on the path of purity? How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. You guys like, this is brainwashing. Yes, your brain needs washing. It's time to wash the junk out. It's time to get that stuff out. Amen? So now what do we do? We start working that word and speaking it over our lives. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Can you memorize that? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Every one of you can. They say even those with learning disabilities, the brain games will strengthen your mind, Alzheimer's, all of these things, dementia. My, my, my grandmother had it. I have to fight against it. How do you do it? You exercise your brain like a muscle. Memorization is one of the best ways to do it. Now watch what happens, guys. Watch this because i got a final chart to show you here. Watch what happens. It's now things begin to change in how you think. You have spoken this word out loud with the power of God. You have incorporated it into your thinking. What do you think is going to happen now when you get tempted? You're going to say, man, I'm going to live according to your word. I'm going to live according to your word. How can a father keep his way pure today? By living according to your word. So look at this in closing. How many are ready to wrap it up? Okay, now let me just show you this quickly before I do. Don't be discouraged if it's not easy to you. I got sources here. Proven ways to increase your memory, studies in neuroplasticity, and brain exercises. Everybody go, ooh, see, Pastor, pretty quiet. He's talking about the Bible up here. I got a lot of other stuff. I can science. I can Bible. But Bible comes before science. Science is the, let me just tell you this. Can I give you guys like a little story? It's a little silly story, and I probably might mess it up. Science, if it was left on its own for millions of years, would eventually reach its pinnacle. If philosophy was left on its own for millions of years, it would reach its pinnacle. If sociology was left on its own, it would reach its pinnacle. Are you with me? If all the sciences of study were left on their own to reach their pinnacle, do you know who they would see sitting there? The Christian. We are the foundation of the sciences, the Christian worldview. Have you ever heard of Harvard, Princeton, Yale? All Christian schools. We are the foundation of knowledge, the Christian worldview, not the Eastern view. I don't have time to get into that. Not the Islamic view. There is a reason why in the West, through the Christian Europeans, that modern science was developed. Francis Bacon, the discoverer of the scientific method, Sir Isaac Newton, physics, were Christians. There's a reason, because it tracked with our worldview. We believed in a God who framed things by his words, Therefore, they could be studied and understood. We just needed to know the language. Calculus was discovered as a language to understand gravity by Sir Isaac Newton. Are you listening? These things have been discovered by Christians. Understand that. Never forget that. Are you ready for closing? Here it is. In closing, we got to learn to filter our thoughts. You've got to learn to filter them and to start to bounce them with the word of God. So listen to this scripture, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, everybody go, finally. Man, it's like 3 o'clock. It's hot up in here. Come on, finally, pastor. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is not on the Real Housewives of Jersey Shore, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about these things. 
think about such things. So here's how you filter your thoughts. Start with the first thing. Is it true? Then go to the next thing. Is it noble? Wherever you get stopped in your thought, speak the word of God and cut it out. Let me speak it to you like this. Okay. My wife and I were in an accident. Somebody ran a red light. We had to go to the emergency room. The car accident ended up with her having her ankle broken. She needed, needed a bunch of screws and surgeries. It dramatically changed our life for six months. She's just starting to walk normal now. Okay. The first time my wife got into the car and people would be coming from the side at an intersection or merging onto the expressway, she would jerk. Why? Past memory. Past memory of a traumatic situation. What is the psychologist going to say? C cognitive behavioral therapy. We need to retrain you in the car to be okay with this happening. But here's the problem. She's arguing with herself. Because in her mind, it's true I can get into an accident. It's true. No matter how much the psychologist tells me, nine times out of ten, it's not going to happen. I always think about the one out of ten because it already happened. Are you listening? That's the thought of fear. Some of you can relate to this more than others. Track with me here. It's real. Anxiety. Worry. Right? So how do we combat that? It's true you could get into an accident, Nancy. But it's not noble. It's not courageous to think about it every time you're in a car. So when you have the thought of the past memory attached to a feeling, you now hide the word of God in your heart to cut that out. So when she has the thought, I could be in an accident, she bounces it immediately, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She doesn't try to talk herself out of it. Red ball, red ball, she'll be there all day arguing with herself, and she'll always lose. She speaks the word of God to her problem, and the word of God renews the mind. The word of God renews her mind. She has put her mind on something else, and it happens to be the truth of God. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. God has placed me in this car for a purpose. He has a plan and a future, and I will see those things come to pass. She then said to me, well, what if the car accident still happens? What if I'm praying and a bad thing still happens? Now you'll face it with God on your side. Because if you face a problem with worry, it only intensifies. When we had the original accident, she always said to herself, what will happen if I have an accident? I can't take care of the kids. The fear itself was more than the fear of going through it because when she actually went through it, she felt strength she never had before. Why? Because God was there to meet her. So here's the thing. Corrie Tim Boone, who was in the Nazi German camp, she used to hide people, I believe, in Austria, one of those countries, and then she got captured and her family sent to a concentration camp. And then she began to teach people in an underground church how to go through persecution. They asked her, how do you do it? I mean, I would just fall apart. What do you do when you're being tortured? This is what she said. My dad would always send me out every day to get milk and butter and bread, milk, butter, and bread, every day, fresh, every day. And here's what he would do. He would give me that money for that day's butter and bread and send me out. I never had the money the night before. It was always when I was standing at the door. And she said, listen, you don't know how strong God is in you until you face that situation and trust him. If you think about it now, the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough worries of its own. Tomorrow's, when you worry about tomorrow, you do not give yourself strength. You empty yourself today of God's power. Stay on the situation of today in God's power, and he will prove himself to you over and over and over again. I could tell you story after story of Christian tragedy, people being martyred, people being hurt, 
children, my mom lost her, her daughter, my sister. I could tell you of the most tragic situations. And every time Christians went through them, what separated them from the alcoholic, what separated them from the suicidal person, wasn't the circumstance. It was terrible. It was bad. But it was what they did. They spoke the word. They believed it. And they recovered. And they were healed. And they hid the word of God in their heart instead of that pain. My mother today is healed from losing her daughter, my sister, drinking and driving, and I know people on depression medication for the same exact kind of thing. What's the difference between my mom and them? Not my mom. No self-control, no discipline. She was like anybody else, freaking out, crying, didn't stop for a long time. But then she heard the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword speak to her heart and say, I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love you. She began to hear the word. She spoke it and prayed it, and it separated her cut from her spirit. Come on, somebody. It cut between her thoughts and the intention of her heart, and it gave her power. Come on, somebody say power. I want you to see this again. I want you to see, because some of y'all looking at me like, man, Pat, I don't know if I can believe this. How many believe it already? How many want to stay another 10 minutes while I help out the others believe it? Okay, let me just help them real quick. i got to find this scripture. I want you to see it. It's not me making it up. I have to go fast, and it's not because I'm a, car, a used car salesman. It's because some of us are hot up here. Amen? For the word of God is what? Alive and active. Don't you think Robin Williams looked at himself in the mirror and goes, I like myself. I like myself. People like me, gosh darn it, and I'm lovable. Don't you think he tried pop psychology? But why did he not make it? He was in an argument with himself, and he lost. Why did my mom make it? Don't tell me brain chemistry. Brain chemistry is a byproduct of thought. They know that now. Neuroscience, neuroelasticity, they're, plasticity. They're knowing now thought is attached to the chemical. They've done the brain scans. They have put so many chemicals in people, and it has not solved 80% failure rate with, with pharmaceutics on mental uh, diseases. It's the worst of all diseases being treated with medicine. Are you listening to me? That's why I told you about the guy in the anxiety workbook. I'm not making it up here. I have his book. He confessed. I was like everybody else, drug them up, drug them up, and then teach them to think differently. Drug them up. And they found out real quick, we are not machines. We are souls in a body. Are you listening? For the word of God is active and alive. Why did I get off drugs in one step and not 12 step? Because I believed it the moment I heard it, that I was who God said I was and I could do what he said I can do. It cut me away from the addiction. My friends died from addiction. Are you listening to me? My friend just called me up a few weeks ago. He's been on drugs the whole time. I've been off 20 years. He had to get off drugs. He went on severe depression, detoxing from his body. He was miserable. Now he gave his life to Jesus, and he said, my biggest regret is I didn't do this earlier. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any sword, sharper than any drug, any, any scalpel of the doctor. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges what? The thoughts and attitudes of the what? Of the heart. Y'all getting quiet. I'll wrap it up. I'm boring. I know. I'm boring up here, right? I need to shout more. No, I'm kidding. Look at this. Is it true my wife can get into a car accident? Yes. Is it noble to think about it all the time? No. So she changes her thought. I am who God said I am. I can do what God said I can do. He is with me. He strengthens me. Do you all get that? Here's another example. Mass shootings all over the place now, right? Could a mass shooting happen here? Is that true? Yes. Is it noble to think about it? Yes, because we have to protect you. Is it right to do something about it and have security in, at our door? Absolutely right. Is it a pure thing? Yes, because I want to protect innocent people. But is it lovely for me to come into this church thinking about massacres the whole time I'm here? This is what we teach our soldiers. Why are our soldiers, everybody look up at me, please. Why are our soldiers so messed up more now than ever before? Because we don't know just war anymore. 
I'm not blaming it on politicians. My nephew died in Afghanistan. Listen to me. I'm not blaming it on politicians. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what our problem is. We don't know just war anymore. The boys don't know how to come back, and the women as well, and come back and go, I did what I had to do for justice, and God is a part of justice, therefore I please God. They come back looking at it through an evolutionary mind view. I killed people. Why am I still alive? My guys died. I shouldn't be here. What is life meaningful? Why, what is the meaning of life? And they're taking their life like this more than ever before. Why? Because in the Civil War, we knew we were fighting for justice. In World War I, in World War II, justice, justice. But we have taken God out of our schools. We've taken out under God and, you know, all of this in our Pledge of Allegiance. And we've sent them out to war. And now they're just saying there's nothing, there's no hope, there's no peace, there's no reason. We have to tell people about God again. Giving them the foundation, right? So I stopped there with the, the massacres. But what would be a good thought? How many, how many young people do I have here want to obey their parents? Watch. Is it true to obey your parents? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? What are these last things right here? Who's got 2020 vision? What is this? And praiseworthy. Yes. So I think about obeying my parents. How about loving my wife as Christ as a church? Is that true, noble, right, pure, lovely, boom, 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 boom? Do you get it? Whenever it's not, you stop, deal with it. Amen? You all got that? I know I said a lot today. Maybe it's one more example. How about this? Sexuality. How many of you have sexual organs? How many have sexual organs? Some of you guys missing your sexual organs. I'm just seeing if you're up to date. How many of you are sexual beings here? Okay. Is it true you're a sexual being? Yes. Is it noble to be a sexual being? Because God created sex. Is it right to have sex? Yes. Is it pure to have sex? Well, what kind of sex you're talking about now, right? See, there you go. Are you unmarried? Impure. That's literally the word, impure. If you're not married, it's impure. Are you having it with yourself? Impure. Impure. If you're having it with the same sex, impure. If you're one sex, having it with multiples of the opposite sex, orgies, right? Sex parties, impure. In marriage, is it pure? Heterosexual marriage, is it pure? Now, is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Yes, is it praiseworthy? Yay! So we can think about sex in the context of marriage. So where's the scripture that teaches me about sex and marriage? Can I show that to you real quick? Sex and marriage. Uh, the marriage bed, marriage bed is pure. What is it? Come on. Let me see if you're right. Yep, Hebrews 13.4. Look at this. Here's my scripture for this, and I meditate on this. Marriage should be honored by who? All. And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually. Is that too small for you guys? Let's try it again. Marriage should be honored by, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the, and all the sexual immoral. Anybody else want another example? Let me just give you guys another example. Okay, how about this? Depression. Okay, is it true that some people don't like you in life? Is it true, you know, maybe um, I just heard of another one from my family friend. Uh, he was abused by his father sexually almost his whole childhood, and then as an adult he committed suicide, right? Okay, so is it true that your dad hurt you or hurt that person? Yes. Is it noble to think about it every day? No. So what do you do? Put a new scripture in your heart. Put a new thought. Hide it down in there. I am the apple of my father's eye. He's a father to the fatherless. I have a good father. Every good perfect gift comes from above. So what happens? Oh, you remember that day you were touched, you were hurt? 
Yeah, but I remember the day I met Jesus. I remember the day that he told me how good he was, and that's how you do it. Every day. Every day. How long does it take? Well, you do it until. Until when? Until you get the breakthrough. I've seen some people be off a of depression medication in a few months. Don't do it on your own. Go to the doctor. This is my word as a pastor. Don't do it on your own. Go to the doctor. They only want to help you. They're not doing this to hurt you. They know about research like this. Trust me. But the idea is I've seen it happen fast, and I've seen it happen slow. I've seen people get off drugs like me the first day they came to Jesus. I've seen some men have to deal with it for a year. I've seen some people with same-sex attraction every day. They just think to themselves, you know, is it true that some people are born with same-sex attraction? Yeah, sure it is. Is it noble to think about it? No. It's not. So you train, you retrain yourself. Now they may say, Joe, that's so mean. Caitlyn Jenner is so right. You know, forget about Chris Jenner. It's Caitlyn Jenner. Well, let me ask you a question. Caitlyn Jenner mutilated their body, took hormone pills, did all of this, and you're telling me we shouldn't teach them to change in the thought life? You're calling me the big meanie? You took a knife and a scaffolding to the body and butchered it. Any other place, we would call that mutilation. Taking that amount of drugs and hormones, you're calling that normal? And here I say you can change in your thought life, and you want to call me the big meanie? Hello, somebody. How about this? I'll tell on myself now so the preacher puts himself out here. How about anger? Is, there something, is it true I should be angry about some things? Is it noble sometimes? Is it right? Is it pure? Yeah, but I have to know the difference. So right at the beginning, I ask God, is it true I should be angry right now? What's my scripture? What's my scripture? Be angry and sin not. Another scripture, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So I let God help me understand, okay? So uh, Zoe, she's my youngest, two years old. She's not listening. She's getting uh, dadas, which we call a dadas, a spanking on the hand timeout. Now I come downstairs, and she does it again, which Nancy just told her not to. Now I'm angry because she's not listening. But is it noble now for me to spank her? See, it's not. She's already been spanked, and I'm not going to beat my children into submission. So instead of going in my anger trying to make myself feel better, I stop and I start speaking to her because that's courageous to have my anger under control. Right? Do you, do you see how it works? And so I'm speaking the word. You know another scripture I speak over my family? That, that Philippians one, because uh, I didn't get a chance to read the whole, the whole passage in Philippians, but I'll read it now in closing. Here it is. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. See, that's our mindset. See, even right now, sister, we have to rejoice in the Lord no matter what our circumstances is. And then let your gentleness be evident to all. That's what God speaks to me as a parent. I want my gentleness to be evident to my children. The Lord is near, so he's watching me. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present requests to God. Do you see the bouncing of the thought? Don't worry. Pray about it. Confess the word. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned, received, or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Can we stand up and give Jesus a hand clap of praise? <laughs> Woo! How many heard the word today? Amen. I tried so hard to keep that under an hour. Here's your closing scripture. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Are you ready to do that? Say it like this with me. Take and make. Okay? You take your thoughts captive and you make them obedient. You make them obedient. Right now in your own way, I'll close my eyes. Andrew, put on some soft music in the background. But in your own way, I want you to think of three thoughts you need to take and make obedient to God's word. 
And then we're going to start speaking the word over our lives and start memorizing and hiding God's word in our life right now. Come on, three things right now. Make and, uh, take and make. And then you'll shake and bake. Come on, but let's just start right here with take and make. Take three thoughts captive right now, three lies of your life that have come in as invaders. Three thoughts right now. Come on. Three thoughts right now. I'll tell you mine real quick. Perversion, anger, and jealousy. Perversion, anger, and jealousy. Brother, you need to put that up there for us, please. Now, as you're thinking about these things, I want to help you how to do it. Okay, so my angry thoughts, I'm going to take them and say I'm not going to be angry unless God tells me it's okay, and then I'll do it his way. The scripture that I'm going to make my anger obedient to is be angry and sin not, be slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Come on. What other thoughts do you think you need to take right now and make obedient? Lust. I'm going to take the thought of lust and make it obedient to the word of Christ that I have memorized. 